Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Welcome to the Life is Hard podcast. It is just me and Julie tonight because Rob could not make it. He's too busy helping people do their taxes at the last minute. There are too many tax, last minute tax filers in the world. That is the problem. And I guess life is hard for everybody. You know, it's not easy anywhere. Especially those of us that haven't filed our taxes yet. Yeah, you've got until the 18th, I guess. Um, that's the date on my calendar anyway. Well, that's nice to know. Thank you. I file early because I have to file my corporate taxes by March 15th. So I just file everything. I used to, um, and I don't know what happened. I can just imagine what happened. I know. Yeah, like, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> yeah, well, I just have a feeling that your procrastination gene got swelled up. Swelled up. What do you know about my genes getting swelled up? It happens as we get it older. My, uh, More my often lazy than I gene, admit. Yeah, My lazy gene has swollen immensely. I used to I used to not be nearly this lazy. I used to get up in the morning and be ready for work and like go to I mean just tear into it and all of a sudden it was two hours past my quitting time and I hardly even realized it, right? Not anymore. <laughs> now it's like get up in the morning, think about coffee, make coffee, have breakfast, drink some more coffee, think about going to work and think, no, I'm not ready yet. Walk the dog, get some fresh air, maybe wash the car, mow some grass, come back in. Maybe I'm ready to start work. Let me sit down and see how that goes. I sit down. Is this a lazy day, though? Because I'm tired listening to you. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm just trying to see what maybe your lazy gene and my lazy gene are different because <laughs> getting up, washed in the car, walking the dog. And yeah, no, I'm exhausted already. Okay, we'll call it avoidance behavior then. There we go. That I'm familiar with. But in any case, I don't get to work until, you know, 1030 and then I'm working for a couple hours and I have lunch and then sort of take a little extra long lunch and then get back to work at two in the afternoon and work till four and be like, oh, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, so pretty- I that sounds like efficient time management to me. Yeah. Well, anyway, so having said that, I just want to get started here and talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger because he popped in the news today and I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, there was a, a pothole in his neighborhood on the road to his mm-hmm. house, I guess. And, um, well, he called it a pothole. It wasn't really a pothole. And honestly, looking at the picture, it was clearly not a pothole. Like, it was a, you know how they will cut through the road when they're putting in utility lines and stuff? Right. And they leave that, like, nice straight cut through the road? Yep. Well, this wasn't a pothole. It was a clear cut through the road. Like, it was clear that some utility thing had had taken a piece of pavement out in order to put in a water line or something right mm-hmm. well it turns out it was a gas line and they were still working on it huh? and ter- arnold and his one of his buddies went and put concrete in it and you know quick setting concrete and basically <laughs> made it so the utility company had to go back and tear it out again <laughs> 
Oh my god! And he's isn't he old now? Older now? Isn't he? He's in his seventies. Oh, that's lovely. And he just was not taking it anymore. Huh? He was making stuff happen. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing that that he probably put it on his social media too, and probably made a big deal out of it. Like, yeah, this damn pothole. I'm gonna fix it and do my civic duty. You know. Oh well, it, it was damaging cars and bicycles both. So I feel. I mean, that you know, that is alarming, isn't it? It seems like kind of a big deal. I am. I'm not going to completely let the utility company off the hook here because if they cut through the road and then just left a gap there, like it's just literally a dangerous hole that people had to drive across. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like a three foot deep hole, but they probably didn't fill it up completely or didn't, you know, cap it so such that it wouldn't be a, a rut, right? So you mm-hmm. get bicyclists and cars and whatever hitting this thing. And I mean, that that's a hazard. It's a traffic hazard, right? So they probably should have done a better job on it so that Arnie wouldn't have felt the need to go to go fill it with concrete. <laughs> Do you think he's going to get the bill for pulling it all back up? Do you think he cares? I'm just, do you think, do you think it's going to be a duty of justice system? Do you think they're going to be like, oh, you know, he'll be back. We just won't mess with that. We'll just take it on ourselves and we'll fix it. Or you think it'll kind of be like, a, oh, well, this guy is trying to, you know, show up at work and put on social media that we do a bad job. So let's stick him with the bill. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I just know that it wouldn't even matter to Arnie if, he, if they said, you know, this is going to cost you $10,000 to fix this. He'd be like, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who cares? Take it... my ten thousand and fix my other holes. Here's my list. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but the uh, the thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, is and it's the same thing we say about all rich people: is fines don't fucking matter to those people. Yeah. You know, if 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 you tell them. You can't water your grass because we're in the middle of a drought. And if you do, we're going to fine you $5,000. These people are like, so what? I'll pay the fine. Or I'll just not pay the fine and you can stack them up at my door. But when I get around to it, you know, if I have to, I'll pay them. But I'm not going to worry about it because I want my yard to be green. You know, (laughs) just because somebody can't drink, there's not enough water for some poor person to, to have a glass of water one day. But I have a green lawn. What difference does it make? I I've got money, you know. I don't know. I think they would be a bit more respectful. I I really don't think one of those rich people would pick up a hose and use the water when they weren't supposed to. I think they would make sure that the landscape is the one that would use the hose. So they had clean hands, and you know, they just if it were up to them, they would not use the hose. If they could make a change, they would. But these landscapes, I mean. You're not serious. I can tell because no. you realize this was a huge problem, right? Yeah, like yeah. all these mansions, yeah. they were watering their lawns daily, and the water was running mm-hmm. off into the road. I mean, it, it not just watering them, but overwatering them, and and the city was, you know, going nuts. The county's like, you can't, you know, you can only water on Tuesday, and and you know, if you do this, we're going to throttle. The only way they got them to stop was they put these. Uh, limiters in their water line that would limit the amount Mm -hmm. of water they could get out. And that meant they could only like turn on one shower at a time, because if you had, if you're running faucet in one or running water, one faucet, another faucet didn't have enough pressure to really, you know, where did they do that? Oh, I don't know. It was last year, the year before, 
But oh but my this god! Was, imagine imagine if it was in the same county as like those the crazy the Duggar people, the family of like ninety kids. <laughs> one at a time, you start taking showers at six in the morning, and by the time it's six in the morning again, you're done. It, well, yeah, but keep in mind they only do this if you like have like three citations for using water you're not supposed to use. Basically, you know, watering your your yard with uh, drinking water. So. Oh my God! If so, if you if you use water when you're not supposed to, they put something on your line. I, you know, America and this freedom thing—it's just too much for me. Sometimes I just have to sit down and take it all in. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I would tend to agree with you. You should be free to turn on your tap and let the water run into the sewer all day long if you want to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, geez, that's why we have water, right? So you can waste it. <laughs> So I got to get back to my notes here because, uh, oh yeah, so I don't know if you've been following the Julian Assange thing, but no, he is, I have not. He is stuck in a prison in Britain, in the UK. Not sure if there's a difference between Britain and the UK, but he's he's there. I think he's like in London or something. But anyway, he's in a prison. Has been there for years. I think like four years now. He's being held. Uh, because mm-hmm. what happened was uh, they were going to extradite him to the United States based on the United States' request where he could get up to like 180 years in prison because mm-hmm. the U.S. is really pissed at him. All right, yeah. And so he he appealed the extradition order because they didn't mm-hmm. bother. The, the, the government of the, of the U.K. just said, oh, you want him? Okay, he's yours. Um mm-hmm. And they're not supposed to do that. They're supposed right. to, you know. But anyway, he appealed it, and he's still waiting on his appeal to be heard after like four years, just sitting in prison. And they're not allowing any access to him. The reason this even came up in the news was because some some NGO was trying to get access to him to see if he was okay and to talk to him and whatever. And they, they had took him like a month just to get through you know, to get permission to see him. And then when they went to see him, the governor of the prison canceled their permission and said, no, I don't think you should be able to see him. And that was it. And they're, of course, they're appealing that and saying the governor overstepped his authority because they had already cleared everything and whatever and whatnot. But they still hadn't gotten in to see him when I was reading this article. And basically, so if the court were to hear his appeal, which apparently they just don't want to do, they're just going to leave him in prison forever. Um, but if they were to hear his appeal and reject it, then he would get you know sent over here, which would be even worse. But mm-hmm. he has like no chance, period, because either they're just going to keep their thumb on him forever. Because what he did, he he made the classic mistake. He pissed off the intelligence community. Right. How do you run away from that? Yeah, he pissed off the NSA, the FBI, the CIA, MI5, MI6. Everybody in the intelligence community hates this fucker, and they are determined. Oh, and the Pentagon, too. They are determined to make sure he never sees the light of day. And now, isn't he he an Australian citizen? He's an Australian citizen, and he's just nothing more than a whistleblower. Was he... How did London get involved? Is that where he lived? Was he in Australia? I think I'm missing that part of it. He traveled all over the place. When he ah. when he took the documents that he was going to release to the news, right? Yeah. 
he went mm-hmm. to Hong Kong first. Okay. Because he figured that would be a safe space. And he was there for a while. And then I believe they made him leave and he went to another country. I don't remember, but I believe it was a country in South America uh, where he went and they kept him for as long as they could. But everywhere he goes, the country that he's in gets heat, right? Right. And then at some point he ended up in, in the UK, which I'm not actually sure how that happened. But okay. but since he is a citizen of Australia, he'd have dual citizenship in the UK. And I think he was kind of like under house arrest for a while in the UK. And this all kind of crashed down on him when the U.S. insisted that they extradite him. But mm-hmm. I don't know the exact story. So it's something like that. He bounced between. Oh, he was in Russia for a while, too. He went from he went from Hong Kong to Russia, I think, and then to this other country for a while. Um, it's some little pretty sure some small country in South America. But anyway, he, he was in Russia for quite a while. But Russia was trying to get him to divulge secrets and he wouldn't do it. And so um, I think Russia's kicked him out too. But mm-hmm. but he's been all over the place. Um, and he's basically been a prisoner wherever he's gone because if he were to just go wander the streets, he'd get nabbed by one of our intelligence agencies. Right. I mean, this is this is like... So, I mean, like, you know, me, my favorite thing to do is play it all the way through, right? So how does this end? It doesn't. I mean, he, yeah, I don't think it ever will for this poor guy. No, no, it doesn't end. In the, in the country of free speech, this guy spoke too freely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't really do anything. Um, if you think about what he did, he basically just reported to the U.S. press that the NSA was doing something that they were not legally allowed to do, which is exactly what the whistleblower laws are for. Right. So, and do we know, do we, we already know what charges they're trying to put against him, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's something to do with um, national security, national defense, espionage. You know, they're basically charging him with, with stealing Top secret government information. Even though all he was was the person, like you said, that posted it on the internet? He didn't steal it himself, right? Oh, no, he stole it. He was he was a contractor who oh. had access to this information. But, but he should be protected by whistleblower laws because from what I have heard from the lawyers who have, you know, who are neutral or sympathetic to him, he simply reported government malpractice or, you know, government illegal. Right. He he basically just shone a really bright light on all the things that we are doing that we are not supposed to be doing. Well, one of the things we're doing, I'm sure there's lots of things that he wasn't even privy to, but one of the things that he, you know, he grabbed was this, this idea that, that the NSA was monitoring everybody's phone calls, Mm -hmm. you know, and, their metadata and stuff, and they were not allowed to do that. That was the law. The Patriot Act allowed them certain privileges, but not to just suck up all this information and store it away. I mean, you realize that having the metadata that says who you have called and who's called you and, and how long you talked is enough for them to connect the dots between entire organizations in a matter of a millisecond, right? Oh, absolutely. 
because they can be like, okay, we know this person is a key person in this organization. Now, who in the last 15 years, who has he <laughs> talked to on the phone for more than 20 minutes? Boom, they got a list, right? right. Now, of those people who's talked to this other guy or who's, you know, maybe been involved in this, boom, they've got a smaller list. They can nail this down to who his, you know, I mean, this is the problem. And people be like, well, if you haven't done anything wrong, why are you worried about it? It's like, buddy... You may not have done anything you think is wrong, but what if you're a Julian Assange and you did something the government thinks is wrong? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they've got you and all your buddies in fucking prison, and you're like, wait a minute, what happened? They're like, we don't have to tell you because we're the NSA. We don't have to charge you with anything. We can put you in Guantanamo Bay for 20 fucking years, and nobody's going to even know. Oh, yeah. I Well, okay, so... That's actually kind of scary because aren't they actually already kind of doing that? Like, what about those people, not to switch topics or anything, but what about those 23 people that are being charged with domestic terrorism that are sitting in prison until whenever, I don't know, we decide? Of course they're doing that. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind they're doing that. The question is, the question is, who are they doing it to? And when will they be doing it to enough people that people will actually respond? You know, because considering that considering there's only what like three or four organizations that control every single news outlet in the nation, I'm gonna have to say that it would be pretty easy not to let us all, you know, I don't know, to have the same idea. I, I think I don't know. I, I just I just don't see that happening. You don't see the government. <laughs> oh, you don't see people deciding that there's something wrong with this. Right, yeah. I I don't think they're going to put two and two together. They're going to be like, oh, this is a problem here. This is a little problem here. This is a little. I don't think people will be like, oh my God, this is a giant problem. Wow, we should pay attention to it. It would have to happen in your neighborhood. And then you'd go on social media and say, oh my God, my neighbor was just, you know, hauled out of his house for, you know, for what I think is nothing, you know. And and then someone else would be like, oh, your neighbor was hauled. Like, my neighbor just got, you know, the bunch of people in a black van pulled up and took him away today and you know that's the kind of thing that would spread like wildfire if it actually became prolific enough you know like if the if the enemies of the government were let's say 10 percent of the people to where you know everybody knew somebody who disappeared right okay yeah that's when you would see i think people take notice but when you're talking about small groups of protesters you know organizers you know, maybe people that are just unpopular or something, those people don't really, you know, give, create enough of a wave of, you know, of, of, of social media that anybody would even notice. Yeah. Um, and we know what happens. I mean, like, like we already said, these, you know, these forest defenders in Atlanta who've been arrested and charged with domestic terrorism, granted, they're going to get out in a year, but, what they're doing is is wrong. They're holding them for a year with with trumped up charges that they know they cannot defend, but they can hold them for up to a year awaiting trial and and then just basically let them go and be like, well, we dropped the charges. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, yeah. that's not quite at the same level of Julian Assange, but it's pretty disruptive to your life if you get thrown in jail for a year 
Yeah. And if you didn't, I mean, imagine that, like even plan that all the way through, what would happen if somebody did that? It, God forbid they were a one, one income family or if they were a single person or if they were, I mean, now you're losing your job, you're losing your house, you're losing all this. And for what? Just to be, make sure you're out of the way and not causing a scene. Well, yeah. It's scary. That's why they do it. Because yeah, they know, know it. it's, just it's intimidating it, and they want people to know they did it too. This isn't a secret. I mean, they, they want to, okay. They don't want to say we trumped up charges and threw them in prison for nothing. Right. But they right. want people to know that these people were charged with domestic terrorism and locked up for a year because they want anyone who's thinking about doing what they did to think twice about it. Like what's going to be the right. impact when I get thrown in prison for a year and I don't even have, like, I can't even appeal this because they haven't brought me to trial. They haven't really brought charges against me yet. They're just holding me on this, you know, fake charge. So, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's why I say people, when people say, well, I'm not worried about the government watching me because, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, guess what? You might be Until doing they something. decide what you are doing is wrong. Yeah, and maybe it'll be... Ten years from now, they pass a new law, but they've got mm-hmm. legacy data. They they can go back in time. They can know oh who you were, what you did, and be like, ah, this guy is going to be an offender. You know, <laughs> keep an eye on him. Yeah. Now that's the kind of stuff that happens. People. Oh, it's okay. So just to use another thing from the notes. Um, cause we, we mentioned this not in the podcast, but after the podcast last week, we talked about, uh, how drugs are used to control, you know, children that are trafficked. Oh, right? yeah. and, and this is a similar thing because what happens, at least in, in the cases that I've read about is, uh, is these kids will be used at sex parties. And by the way, these sex parties aren't sex parties thrown by trailer trash. These sex parties well- are thrown by powerful people there you know there that has stuck with me i you know i spend hours and hours and hours a week researching stuff and looking at stuff and connecting pieces and going down rabbit holes and you know having my mind blown regularly but that is one thing that has just really stuck with me in a way that i can't explain to you I, as much as i've looked into sex trafficking and and all the different angles of it and and you know even all the way down to the transportation like i mean i've gotten pretty deep with it the way that you phrased that to me you you just so simply said it's not poor people buying these people right and and it just struck me differently because when you think human trafficking, I was always so focused on the victims that I, I honestly, maybe it was closed minded of me. I don't know what it was, but I never really my perception was never of the who, yeah, who well, buys this, second, who buys paying this product for these humans. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't people wouldn't be being trafficked if there wasn't big money in it. Yeah. And then when you sit there and you're like, well, wait a second, you know, again, the, the the percentage of the population that has that type of money is, is not incredibly large. And then when you start breaking that down, it's like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. So one of the things they do when they have their little sex parties and they bring in these kids and stuff is they, they do a couple things. One is they give them drugs, right? The, the obvious thing is they give them drugs. They make sure they're all high as a kite. They get them hooked mm-hmm. on drugs. That's the intent. It isn't that they want them to be high at the party. It's they want them to be addicted to drugs. And then right. they can 
while they have them, you know, in their control, they can use the drugs to control them. But the other thing that they do is they get the kids to do things with each other and to each other that makes them, this is the same, any person who has been abused can tell you that one of the things that abusers do is they make you feel guilty about somehow the fact that you've been abused, right? Mm -hmm. They, they use guilt and shame to control you and keep you from talking. And, 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 and that's one of the things that destroys people who get abused is the guilt and the shame. But one of the things they do at these parties is they get the kids to do things with each other and to each other so that they can say, well, you were not just, uh, uh, someone who was used, but you were also a user, right? You mm-hmm. did things to that other, that little girl, you, you know, you've stuck your finger, you know, and get, get, Oh my God. Yeah. But they use this and, and then, and then when these kids finally, you know, reach the age of 25 and realize that their lives have been completely fucked up because they were trafficked as children and they decide to go to the authorities, well, they're drug addicts, right? <laughs> their, their lives are a wreck. Everything about their life, when, when, the, when the law, you know, these, these high and mighty fucking judges, you know, like on the Supreme Court, who apparently have no ethics whatsoever, uh, look mm-hmm. at these kids. They see a lifetime of in and out of juvie centers, trouble with the law, drug use, you know, petty crimes, whatever, because that's what happens to you. When right. your life is destroyed and you're addicted to drugs, that's what fucking happens to you. <laughs> that is the life you have. And so when you finally come forward and say, hey, I want to report that Senator, you know, J&J uh, was at this party that I was at and he abused me. They basically look at you and go, Ugh, you are going to say that you're, you are going to have the audacity to smear the name of that respectable man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has happened. This is what happens. No, oh, yeah, you're not telling me nothing. I don't know. Yeah, and these people crawl back into their hole because they have no choice. Nobody will believe them. Well, they might believe them, but they, they you know, they shame them, um, tell them to fuck off. And, right. and they threaten them. They intimidate them. They, you know, charge, they, they threaten them with, with, uh, with, you know, charging them with perjury and putting them in prison and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know what I'm curious of now, now I, I'm actually writing a list as we're talking of a rabbit hole to go down with this, because now I'm curious, you know, like what type of, what type of proof do you need like as someone that's human trafficked because i know from personal experience if you try to say that you've been sexually assaulted it is nearly impossible for them to a believe you b actually move forward with it and then see if they do move forward with it for them to actually feel confident that they have enough evidence to actually persecute all of those things have to happen and it doesn't. No, no. I think you'd have to have a lot of people that were there who agreed to testify and they would have to have very consistent stories. They would have to at least have some, I don't want to say impeccable credentials, but they'd have to at least not have been caught committing a lot of crimes or lying or, you know, anything that's going to make them 
potentially, a, you know. A, a... Okay, so just just so I'm clear, are you trying to get me to believe that in a jury of peers, you know, which usually can, I imagine in a case like that, depending on what the angle is, it would be, you know, a whole the majority of Caucasian men, right? Yeah, and probably I, I don't know middle income. Uh, right. And so I just do you are you trying to tell me that a handful of drug addict prostitutes are going to be more believable than just the one? Like, do you think there's strength in numbers in that sense? Well, I think that if they had the same story and they stuck to it, they stuck together, there'd be I, this. This isn't going to happen. Because first of all, these are all hypotheticals that just aren't likely to happen. You're not going to have yeah, right. You're not going to have a group of people who've got the balls to go up against the system. Remember, they are in danger of actual, real repercussions from testifying if somebody decides that they brought a frivolous lawsuit. Um, right. They also are going to get annihilated on the witness stand. They're going to get shredded. They're going to get all of their past discretions, all their little secrets, all their shame is going to come out in front of that jury and they're going to be bawling their eyes out. They're going to look like a complete basket case. And then, and then all the judge, all the prosecutor has to do or the defense attorney who's working against has to say is look, you know, we know that you've had a tough life and we know that you'll break into your mom's house for $10. Who's to say somebody isn't paying you to testify against this respectable individual. And now the jury has reason to doubt and it's all over. So yeah, yeah. it's, it is impossible. I mean, it's for the same reason it's impossible to prosecute Donald Trump. I mean, you just, you've got people that are in positions where nobody wants to take them down because they know they've got influence, they've got money, they've got people, you know, they've got friends in high places and probably in Trump's case, friends in low places, um, mm-hmm. you know, friends in Russia, friends. In, yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but, but it's true. You know, if 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 it was me being accused of human trafficking, there would be no question I would be on trial and they would bring up witnesses. And, they, you know, if there was any kind of case at all, I'd probably get convicted. But I don't have a billion dollars and I don't have a lot of rich friends. And by the way, my rich friends were also at that party. Oh, but you know, okay, so even but even that, if you want to really break it down to how funny this actually gets. So what about all the controversy with Clarence Thomas? And I mean, they know everything about this man, where he went on vacations, who he went with. They know what planes he took, who was on those planes with him. They know all those details, right? Because a lot of that information is public, right? Like the flight stuff and. Yeah, and ProPublica did a lot of deep diving into that too. So, you know. But the, I guess where I'm going with that is, is, don't you think it's funny that like Epstein's tray, uh, plane wasn't that easy to track why don't we know his why don't we know anyone that visited his island why don't we have any of that information well we would because what too many people are on that list that don't want us to see it if we wanted uh, well yeah i mean as i say that information i'm sure is available somewhere it has to be because yeah um but yeah i don't want to say it's a different case but I think what happened with Epstein was when he died an unfortunate and unexpected death, 
the case kind of died with him. Otherwise, I think there would have been more introspection and there would have been a lot of people very embarrassed and who had to have been, but, you know. But what's her name? I, I, I bought her name, so I'm not even going to say it. The lady with the fancy name. She went to trial after. She got convicted after. Yeah, I know. She was the scapegoat, I think. I really do. I think but why just... didn't that information come out then, though? And I guess, I don't know. I guess I just think it's funny that they pick and choose, you know, what, like, they're going to try to hold these display information against Clarence Thomas. I just I just think it's funny that they well, pick now, and okay, choose. Well, now, okay, now, wait, wait, wait. Whammy. To convict somebody of a crime is a lot harder than saying he was on this trip, okay? If, if you say this guy was on a plane with Jeffrey Epstein and flew to Jeffrey Epstein's island, that is not a crime, and if you're a private individual and you're not taking a bribe from Jeffrey Epstein, you haven't mm-hmm. done anything wrong. So even if they brought this up, if they said, oh, look, these people flew to Jeffrey Epstein's island, that doesn't make them uh, pedophiles. It doesn't yeah. mean they had anything to do with any of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, again, maybe maybe not by it and maybe not standing alone. Well, that's but, the point again, is that's- you have to have more information than just flight records. And believe me, you're not going to get that information once they're on your <laughs> private island. You're not going to; those records weren't public, and those were, and there may not even been records. That's a whole it's yeah. a whole different ballgame. And you're trying to prove a felony, and so if you fail to do that, you've got people that are going to be charging you with libel, or you know, there's all kinds of problems with that. Whereas ProPublica just went in and got a bunch of public information and said, "Doesn't this look pretty bad?" And of course, it looks bad. And by the way. This is exactly the kind of stuff that that where these parties and these sex trafficking things happen. This these, you know, vacations to these elite resorts that are private properties and have all these high, you know, do you think those people don't want to be entertained while they're there? $500,000 for yeah. one party? Yeah, I mean, what? yeah, that 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 screams I bought a couple people. It screams a lot. I mean, geez, there's got yeah. there's. I would expect there to be some really good drugs, you know, mm-hmm. some some great entertainment. Somebody sitting in my lap the whole time, naked, you know. I mean, oh, I I wonder going with the the standards of what you know the Supreme Court justices were held to. I wonder if they actually asked. No, they're definitely not. I answered my own question. They're not subjected to drug tests or anything. No, no, they don't. No, definitely not. Why would they? And then even if they were hypothetically just for funsies, like what would come if anything, who would hold them accountable? There's a whole, yeah, no, there's none of it. Okay, I got it. Well, and I mean, if you're on vacation and you use some drugs, you know, you're not necessarily going to be carrying them when you get back either. So, but I, I, I'm not so much worried about what drugs they use. I'm more concerned about the fact that these people we're talking about that that do i mean we don't know who i'm not going to say any particular person is hiring uh you know children for sex workers or anything like that because i don't know who is but i know somebody is right this this is a huge business people with money are buying into it period that's a fact so how do we know that there aren't people within the circles of our justices, if not our justices in some cases, and some of them I believe would be perfectly capable of this. Um, some of them really like their beer, you know. 
Uh, oh, you know, you, you just made me LOL because that's exactly what I was thinking. You drink <laughs> too much and you black out. Well, not only that, but you you really got to wonder about just the the moral fabric of some of these people. And again, I hate to point any fingers, but but how many people in these circles are protected by judges who are sitting on federal benches? And there's a lot of those, by the way. Well, yeah, and that's actually totally that will tie into what we're going to talk about next week with Mike DeWine because his he actually I mean, he a lot of people thought that he was involved in a number of fraud schemes in the state of Ohio, like not just one, not just two, but like this man is slimy. Um, But don't worry, because he was, in fact, investigated by the Supreme Court. He was, um, right. and his Supreme son said that he was not guilty of anything. The state Supreme Court, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, the state Supreme Court. They looked at him, and they looked at all of this fraud stuff and all these allegations, um, and his son told everyone that he was not guilty of anything because his son is the Supreme Court justice um, that did the investigations into his father. Right. He said nothing to see here, and everybody believed him. Imagine. Yeah. Well, I don't know why everybody believed him, but I can. I can. Obviously, it's not hard to believe. He said, "There's nothing to see here." Um, but yeah, you know, come on. It's so fun. Yeah, so fun. So yeah, so fun. Money takes care of money. These people are gonna wash each other's hands. They're gonna, well, scratch each other's <laughs> backs. Whatever it is, people do with each other metaphorically. Um, <laughs> you, you've got to expect that. I mean, really, because these. These people can help each other. This is how they get rich. This is how they stay rich. This is how they stay out of jail. And that's why it's becoming generational now. No kidding you. If you actually look at the Senate and the Congress, like it, it is, it is generational at who is in these seats. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Mm -hmm. The the worst one was the Kennedys and that seems to be kind of drawing to a close for some reason, but yeah, it's, um, there's there's always going to be what they call them uh, dynasties, and yeah. and then you've got the oligarchy is the same way. Um, you know, it used to be that the people that were rich were people who came from like a poor background and worked their way up, but that's not true anymore. Now no, rich people come no. from rich people because you can't really the, the cards are stacked against you if you're poor or if you're lower middle class or even middle class. Your your chances of becoming one of the ultra wealthy. I'm not saying you can't you can't be well off. You could probably make a six you know six figure income. But these people we're talking about aren't ha, aren't making a six figure income. They're not you mm-hmm. know thinking about how am I going to pay my mortgage next month um, or how am I going to put my kid through college or what expenses. No, comes. they're becoming the the top performers in the money market. Yeah. And they're make, they're, you know, they're, we've, I've talked about this in the podcast before. If you've got $1 billion and you're getting 2% return on your money, you're making over $50,000 a day. Just, just return on your investment. So, oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah. And, and if you had to spend a billion dollars in 70 years, you have to spend something like $32,000 an hour. I would take that challenge. Yeah, good luck. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about more money than you could possibly spend. You're talking basically what you're talking about is power, and that's why this stuff is so dangerous. And that's why I always lecture against it. And it's why it's just there's it's why it's almost hopeless because power protects power. 
You know, you're going to have a really hard time taking these people down because the system is working for them, not you. And it's a good old boys club too. So good luck even getting involved if you do get that far. You know, if you didn't go to Princeton and Yale and you didn't do all that stuff, like you're not even in the Uh, running. I don't know. I'm as good old boy as anybody is. I think I'm a pretty good old boy. I mean, you know, I'd like to see you make it all the way to Congress. (laughs) They just listen. (laughs) All they'd have to do is listen to this podcast one time, and they'd they'd have me buried under a prison somewhere. Oh my God! Hey, both of those Justins were reinstated in Tennessee. I feel like we should take two seconds to clap. Okay, but you know why they were reinstated, right? What? They're temporarily reinstated, but they're reinstated. Oh yeah, because the city council they have to get voted in, don't they? Uh, they have to they have to be voted in again, but but the council the council said, "Fuck you, Republicans." City council, the the whoever I'm pretty sure it's the city council that has the the power to reappoint them or to, or to appoint a temporary replacement for them, and they just re- reappointed them, and um and oh. and they'll be running for reelection, and hopefully the voters will reelect them, and basically we'll be snubbing our nose at the Republicans. But I think the whole thing's hilarious, honestly. Yeah, I I love that. I love that so much. I love how, you know, how much we work together as a team. Although it might not be as funny as the YouTuber that got shot at the mall or wherever it was. Um, oh, I haven't, I haven't written. I've, I've actually kind of avoided that because I, I just didn't, I don't know. I, people just. I know it sucks, but this, this guy in Raleigh who is apparently a prankster on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm totally on the side of him versus the guy with the gun, but he apparently was okay. poking his phone camera in this guy's face and, okay. you know, being an asshole in general. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the, the guy shot him, which he didn't kill him. Okay. He's not dead. Just shot him. Okay. Which I think is insane. And this is, I, I've said this a thousand times in this podcast. The reason I am not for people carrying guns is because normal altercations that would have ended with two people walking away, maybe somebody getting injured and having to get first aid, but two people walking away alive often end up being lethal because someone has a gun, right? So yeah. many things, you know, can be resolved without someone getting killed. And when and you have, I agree. Yeah, when you have a gun in the mix, it just exponentially increases the chance of somebody dying. And okay, but I also feel like if you take on a role in your life where you feel like what you're doing, you have the right to infringe on other people, you have to also accept that you are exponentially raising your chances <laughs> yeah, well, of something fucking terrible happening to you. Yeah, yeah. I just I just think if you're the one carrying the gun, you're responsible for what happens with it. But I do agree that the guy pushed his buttons. If that person had been sticking his phone camera in my face and he was an asshole, I might have punched him. Which I probably would have gotten in trouble for also because, you know, I'm turning a what is just an annoying situation into a fist fight. But at least everybody would live through it, right? Um But see and I guess and I guess that's where I don't know, I, I I don't know where my line would be because I I guess 
for conversation's sake and to play devil's advocate, like you don't know what this, the man with the gun, is he carrying a gun because he doesn't feel safe because he had some type of trauma? I hope You know, not. in an everyday situation, <laughs> he can handle himself fine. He gets around just fine at the Kroger. But when someone gets in his face with the camera, did he have some type of trauma response? And he's like, I'm just going to shoot you. Well, honestly, you don't know, listen, and that's what I'm saying. Like when you get in, when you just in, like when you project yourself into someone else's life and someone else's space, you're giving up control. They now get to do. I'm not going to say whatever they want. Maybe the shooting was a little extreme, <laughs> but again, <laughs> I, I just kind of feel like if somebody did that to me, I'm I'm not above uh, not shooting. Uh, well, I mean, and I, I wouldn't. I don't carry a gun, but I. I I, you know, maybe I would in my head twice. Just about everybody I know carries a gun. It's ridiculous. But yeah. having said that, though, I just, you know, again, if you're going to carry a gun, you better you better have a really even temper because it's just not a good situation. The the guy, it, it's, it was actually funny. At the end of the article, they were saying that they didn't know if the police were going to press charges against the guy who got shot. <laughs> Oh, my God. Imagine. Yeah, I think they did press charges against the guy with the gun. I think that was a, a kind of a no-brainer. Other than other than he may get off on a self-defense defense, he still uh, he still had to, I think. But but they were thinking about pressing charges against the guy who was pushing the other guy around, basically, because it's like, hey, you can't do that. But anyway, yeah. it's, it's – um, no, I – yeah, I, I think it was an interesting situation. I just wish, you know, instead of having a gun, the guy that had maybe a – Billy Club. A know. rape whistle? Well, a Billy, he could have wrapped him upside the head with a Billy Club. I'd be okay with that because the guy might remember that for a couple of days, right? You know? Um, if you get a hit upside the head with a Billy Club, you're brain damaged. That's okay. It's still better than what? Wait, what? Why? So you're okay. Okay, wait. That's going to have to be another conversation because... I, I I feel like if you're going to shoot somebody or give them brain damage, I, I want you to um, rationalize that for me. Please. That's easy. Are you ready? Yeah. Life is hard, but it could be worse. Life is hard, but it could be worse. Life is hard, but it could be worse.